Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse number 23, it says, Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it in a man if he gains the whole world as himself and is himself destroyed or lost? Amen. So tonight I want to preach on the topic of if you desire. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, do you desire? Amen. Father, we thank you for the time in your word tonight. Lord, we thank you that your word's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. God, we pray that this word be illuminating for us tonight, both spiritually, God, and as direction in our life. God, I pray that this word find its way to the hearts of young men and young women tonight so that the seed of your word may be planted, so that there may be much fruit coming from it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can be seated. So. In our text tonight, Jesus had just asked his disciples a very important question, perhaps one of the most important questions he ever asked his disciples in his earthly ministry. Just a few short verses back from what we read, there was a big crowd around Jesus. He was hugely popular. Everybody was beating down his door, wanting to get a glimpse of Jesus. Some people were pushing through the crowd just to be able to touch Jesus. Jesus was insanely popular, a revolutionary at that time. People were looking forward to him to come in and and destroy the Roman government and establish the kingdom of God among the Jewish people. And there there was a lot of buzz about Jesus and who this Jesus was. And Jesus asked one of the most important questions. He said, who do men say that I am? And the disciples begin to elaborate on what this person said about him. And some people say you're one of the prophets. Some people say you're Elijah or one of the other great men of God raised from the dead. And then here's the important question Jesus asked. It wasn't what do men say that I am. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? At the point of a believer's life, everyone comes to the point in their life where they have to answer that question for themselves. Who is Jesus going to be to you? It's one thing to recognize who Jesus is to Pastor Tom. It's one thing to recognize that Jesus is very important to Pastor Tad. It's one thing to know that that Jesus is extremely important to Sister Natalie or Brother Cody or some of the people that you may look up to and you could see their lives and the examples that they're living and the testimony of their lives and you could say, Jesus is important to them, but at some point in the life of a believer, everybody has got to answer that question that Jesus asked for themselves. I know what everybody else says about me, but what are you going to say about me? Who do you say that I am? Am I just some historical figure to you? Am I just some great man to you that can heal people and encourage people and bless people? Am I just some prominent figure of positivity in the life of just people? Am I some self-help guru? Am I someone who who could just help you have a better life, a better marriage, a better future. Who do you say that I am? And if all you look at is Jesus as some self-help guru, as some vending machine that you can get uh, miracles out of and signs and wonders out of, friend, you have missed the mark of who Jesus really is because Peter answered the question that Jesus desires all of us to answer, and that is you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Anointed One. And we all have to answer that question 
question. And the Holy Spirit tonight is asking each of you, who do you say that Jesus is? Is Jesus someone real to your soul? Is he someone authentic to your heart? Is he the savior of your soul? Is the redeemer of your heart? Is he the savior of man, the coverer of sins? Is Jesus who he said he is in your life? Jesus went on to deepen this level of commitment from the disciples. He goes, listen, you come to the point of recognition of who I am, that I am all that I said that I would be, that I've done this and I've done that and I've healed these people and I've done these miracles. But Jesus said, I'm about to deepen the level of your understanding or of your recognition. See, it's not enough just to recognize who Jesus is. When you come to that point of recognition, you realize that in recognizing who Jesus is, you become quite clear of the demands that he places on your life as a believer of who he is. Once you believe that he is Jesus, that he is the Christ, he is the son of the living God, once you come to that point of recognition in your life, you must then begin to ask the question, am I going to follow this? Am I going to embrace this completely? Am I going to embrace this totally? Am I going to go forth in this knowledge and understanding that Jesus Christ just isn't some good, positive, historical figure, but he is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. Philippians chapter two, Jesus, or Paul said to the church of Philippi, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal to God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. That is who Jesus is. Now, once you and I acknowledge this fact, just laying a foundation here, hang with me, we are faced with the real question, do I now desire to follow him? Not the teacher, not the healer, not the historical figure, not the revolutionary that Jesus most certainly was in his time, but do you desire to follow him who the prophets spoke of thousands of years before? Do you desire to follow him who hung there on that cross to redeem mankind? Do you desire to follow him who saved your soul, who forgave your sins, who stood in as the ultimate sacrifice for your failures, for your sin, for your doubt, for your unbelief? You see, if you desire. So Jesus concludes dialogue with his disciples of whom do men say that I am? And once they recognize who he was, Jesus then says, okay, if you desire that Jesus. There's a lot of people desiring a different Jesus that's not that Jesus. There's a lot of people desiring the vending machine Jesus. There's a lot of people desiring that Sunday morning Jesus, amen? There's a lot of people desiring the Wednesday night impact youth service Jesus. There's a lot of people desiring the CCA chapel service Jesus. There's a lot of people desiring the Jesus they get when they're around great grandma who knows how to pray. There's a lot of people who desire the Jesus they get when Pastor Tom or Brother Tad lays hands on them. But let me tell you about a Jesus who is ever-present, omnipresent, everywhere at all times. He's there when you're walking in disobedience. He's there when you're walking in unbelief. He's there when you don't want him there. We're talking about the Jesus who is the ruler of your soul that you should yield whole, total mind, heart, will, and emotion to. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. And Jesus said, hey, if you want to follow that Jesus, if you want to follow the all the way Jesus, if you want to follow the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Jesus when I'm awake, when I'm sleeping, when I'm sick, and when 
when I'm well, when I'm sad, when I'm depressed, when I'm lonely, when I'm on the mountain, when I'm in the valley, when I'm up, when I'm down. Well, I'm the Jesus, no matter your condition, no matter your circumstance, whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, I am who I said I am. If you want to follow that Jesus, Jesus said, if you desire to come after me. And that's powerful. Jesus said it's not just about following. It's just about coming after Jesus. Now listen, there's a lot of people who will follow Jesus. But there's not a lot of people who come after Jesus. Now, yeah, Pastor Tad, you're just, you're just messing with semantics there because doesn't come after mean the same thing as follow? Perhaps. But listen, I, can, I could follow a boat. Right? I can get on my boat and follow another boat. And I can follow that boat from a distance. But to come after a boat, that means right after that boat has been there, I've got to be after that boat. Right? And let me tell you something about wakeboarding or skiing, for example. Anybody ever done wakeboarding or skiing before? Right? What makes that possible is the close proximity of the thing that you're following. Because if you get too far away from that boat that you're following, you get out of something called the wake. Right? And that boat goes before you and it makes a wake. That skier, that wakeboarder has no propulsion of their own. There's no motor on that wakeboard. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no fin, so to speak, propelling that skier forward. But what it is, that wakeboarder gets on the wake of that boat and they begin to ride the wake of that boat, right? And they begin to follow it. And it's the wake of that boat that gives that ski board, that skier forward momentum so they can do all the things that they desire to do. They continue to go forward. But you let that wakeboarder, you let that skier get outside the wake, amen? You let him get outside to the side of that boat. What's he begin to do? He ultimately starts slowing down. And if he, if he doesn't get back on that wake, he's not gonna be propelled forward and move forward. And that, that skier's gotta hold on to that rope. And what's that rope connected to? That rope is connected to the boat, the thing that is going forward. You see, there's a lot of believers who are out there saying they're following Jesus. But like Peter on that day when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says all the disciples forsook him and fled. But yet Peter followed him at a distance. And it was the distance of Peter's pursuit for God that, that led him to his denial. If you are distant from God, you will always deny God publicly. But Jesus said, I want you to follow after me. I want you to be close proximity to me. I want you to be in my wake because if you're in my wake, you don't have to have propulsion of your own. You don't have to have energy of your own that I'll propel you forward. I'll push you forward. I'll urge you forward. Just stay close proximity behind me. And for whatever you do, don't let go of that rope because that rope is connected to the boat and it's the boat that's going to keep you forward. Young person of God, let me tell you something right now. Get an understanding before you get married, before you say your vows, before you start having children, before you get into a career, before you buy a home, before you start getting some real responsibilities. Don't ever let go of Jesus. Don't rely on your education. Don't rely on your training. Don't rely on your knowledge. Don't rely on your friend group. Don't rely on your job, your professional accomplishments. Don't rely any, on anything other than Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. Don't ever let him go because the moment you do you'll start losing momentum the moment you do you'll find yourself out of that wake and what you'll end up doing is you'll sink and you'll never ever get back on track let me tell you something hold on to Jesus the Bible says that Jesus is the vine that we are the branches and every branch that's connected to the vine bears forth fruit and I've said this before and I'm going to say it again just as a reminder everything that branch needs to produce fruit is in the vine Absolutely everything. I got, a, I got a patio tomato plant on my back patio. It's my baby. It's got these big old tomatoes on there. They're getting ripe. And listen, 
There's the main stem, that main branch, the main vine. But off of that vine is what's called fruiting branches. And it's giving off all sorts of fruit. But every once in a while, I got to get out there and I got to prune off a branch because I recognize that that branch is too big and I see no flowers on it, which means that branch is just pulling life out of that vine, but it has never, no intention of ever bearing fruit. So I reach in there with my thumb, I pinch it off, and I throw it to the side. I come out the next morning, that branch just laying in the grass is withered up brown and dead and dying because it got disconnected from the vine. That branch will never produce life disconnected from that vine. And that's, what's the, that's the case for us. The Bible says Jesus is the vine. We are the branch. We are to bear forth love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faith, Faithless, meekness, temperance, self-control. We will never bear the fruits of the Spirit disconnected from the vine that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me talk to some young men and some young women. Everything you need is in the vine. All you need to do is stay connected to the vine. Your job is in the vine. Stay connected to the vine. Your spouse, yes, your spouse is in the vine. Stay connected to the vine. The home and place and city that you're supposed to live in is in the vine. All you have to do is stay connected to the vine. You will have every ounce of fruit. You will have everything you need to be productive if you just stay connected to the vine. There's a process you have to go through. Every once in a while, the gardener comes out with his thumb and recognizes that area of your life is going to be unfruitful, and he pinches it off, and he pulls it away, and life can get uncomfortable, and life can get uneasy because you really thought something would come of that part of your life, but closer examination from the gardener, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, revealed that part of your life will never yield forth fruit. So Jesus demands that thing to be cut off. And at the time it hurts, at the time you don't understand because he looks so good. He said all the right things. He did all the right things. He sent me flowers. He did this. He did that, man. He treated me good. But Jesus is saying that thing will never be fruitful. Everything you need is in the vine. Stay connected to the vine. Now listen, I can let some areas grow on that tomato plant out back. And sure, I might have a lot of branches, a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance, a lot of flash, nothing to show for it, nothing that's going to sustain anybody, nothing that anybody's going to get sustenance out of, provision out of. That's what God wants to do through you and in you. God wants you to be hope to the hopeless. He wants you to be help to the helpless through Jesus in you. Jesus has something in him that he wants to get through that vine, into the branch, into the fruit, because there's something the world needs to partake of. They need to partake of your love. They need to partake of the joy, the peace, the kindness that only comes from Jesus Christ. Let the Lord cut away the unfruitful areas of your life. Let the, endure that painful moment. Endure that uneasiness. Endure the no of God because he's got a yes for you later. And let me tell you, when that fruit comes on that vine, when it starts cutting big, it starts getting plump, it starts turning color, you start getting into late July and that sweet corn starts looking all the sweeter. I'm telling you, the moment you cut that thing off the vine, there's nothing better than a vine ripened tomato on a hot summer night. You just slice into it. And I know those of you who don't like tomatoes, just nerd out with me for a second. You know what I'm talking about. There's nothing better than consuming fruit that has gone through full maturity in the process that it was tended to do. God wants to, the world to taste and see that he is good. Jesus said, it starts with desire. That's the starting point. He says, if any man desires, young people listen to me, it starts with a desire. The invitation is to follow is issued to any and all men or women. Nothing you are or used to be will disqualify you from receiving this invitation. Nothing you are. 
Nothing you've done, nothing you ever will do will disqualify you from receiving the invitation. He said, if any man, I'm talking about any man. I'm talking about the pimp. I'm talking about the prostitute. I'm talking about the preacher and I'm talking about the prophet. It doesn't matter. The ground is level at Calvary. I'm talking about any man. I'm talking to those of you who messed up just last night, just this past week and just this past month. It all comes to desire. Do you have a desire to go after Jesus? Do you have a desire to have a deeper relationship with Jesus? Do you have a desire to have something more of Jesus than just a Wednesday night experience with Jesus? Do you have a desire to have more of Jesus than just the chapel service Jesus or just the prayer meeting Jesus or just the Bible study Jesus or just the occasional flipping through the verse and sticking your finger and hoping God will guide you Jesus to the scripture. Come on, I've done it. I know you've done it too. But I'm talking about a Jesus who's real to your soul. He said, if any man desires to come after me, it comes with desire. Let me tell you a story about twin boys in the Bible, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn. And as the firstborn, he was entitled to a double portion of the inheritance. So the way this worked was Isaac was going to divide his, his wealth when he died into thirds. And Esau, as the firstborn, was going to get two-thirds, and Jacob was going to get one-third. And the birthright was basically passed on to Esau. But the Bible says that, G, that Esau didn't really desire that. In fact, one day he was out in the field. He was out there hunting, doing all the manly things that he, was, that he loved to do. And he came in, and Jacob had a desire for this thing because Jacob's in there with his mom. His mom's talking about his grandpa Abraham in the promise that God, excuse me, the promise that God gave to Abraham and Abraham told Isaac, listen, God's going to make a, he said he, out of my seed, it's going to make a, na- a great nation, a nation too big to even be numbered. And Isaac knew that that birthright had passed on to him. And Isaac was going to pass that birthright on to Esau. And Esau despised it, the Bible says. It goes on to say in Malachi that God said, Jacob have I loved and Esau has I hated. What would prompt God to say he hated Esau? It wasn't that God hated Esau as a person. It was, if you get into the translation of that, it was that God hated Esau's disposition to his birthright, that it was all Esau's. It was everything that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac. That, sport, that story was supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, right? We know of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but God had birthed Esau. It was supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but Esau despised that birthright, and Jacob desired it so much that he pursued it. He showed his desire in his pursuit. Let me tell you something. It's not good enough just to say, Jesus, I want you. It's not good enough just to tell everybody you're a Christian. Listen, the of your passion will always be in your pursuit. If you really desire Jesus, you're going to pursue him. If you really desire Jesus, your youth pastor doesn't have to preach you into reading your Bible. If you really desire Jesus, I don't have to preach you into church services. If you really desire Jesus, I shouldn't have to pump you up and prime you up to lift up your hands and worship Jesus. If you really desire Jesus, you should pray on your own, serve God all by yourself, and go with God if nobody else goes. If you desire Jesus, the proof of your your passion will show up in your pursuit of him. Let me ask you, are you pursuing Jesus? Jacob was passionate about that birthright. He wanted it, even though it wasn't his. Let me tell you something. 
What Jesus did, the Bible says he came first to the Jew and because the Jew wouldn't accept him, he then came to the Gentile that on a hill far, far away stood an old rugged cross and although I don't have a Jewish drop of blood in my body, Jesus Christ came and he shed that blood on Calvary for me just as much as he did for my Jewish brother and my sister. I desire that thing that was not mine to begin with. I desire that thing that was never entitled to me. If you'll make up your mind, I want what Jesus has. Amen. If any man desires to come after me, he must, number one, say deny yourself. John 3, verse 30, John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he may increase. John chapter 3, verse 30. This is, Jesus, this is John the Baptist, right, out there on the banks of the Jordan River, baptizing people, and he makes this comment. There's one coming after me who's mightier than I am, whose shoelaces I'm not even worthy to unbuckle. You see, I baptize you in this water here on Jordan River, but there's one coming after me. He's going to baptize you in Holy Spirit and fire. And it's coming to a point in my life. This is John the Baptist saying this. It's coming to a point in my life where I'm going to have to step back. I'm going to have to get out of the limelight. I'm going to have to make way for the Lamb of God. I'm going to have to make way for Jesus because if I decrease, Jesus will increase. Let that be the testimony of our life. Let us deny ourselves, right? There's too many Christians running around uh, promoting themselves, prompting themselves. Listen, if you promote yourself, you're going to have to keep yourself at the top. But if you'll promote Jesus and keep Jesus at the top, everything you need will come after because the Bible says if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, everything else will be drawn to you like a magnet. That's literally what that Greek word means. If any man, if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything Everything else will be drawn to you, right? That's that Greek word there. It means drawn like a magnet to you. If you seek God, everything you need in life will be drawn to you just like a magnet. Deny oneself is what Jesus said. Less of me means more of God. Somebody say that to your neighbor. Say less of me means more of God. Oh, let there be less of me. Let there be less of me in my marriage. Let there be less of me for my wife, Becca. Let there be less of me for my daughter, Reese. Let there be less of me for my employer. Let there be less of me for my church. Let there be less of me for this lost and dying world. Let there be less of me so there can be more of Jesus. Listen, the only hope for this world is not more of you and more of your abilities. And look at me, yay, Karah. Look, yay, I'm so awesome, I'm so wonderful. That's not the answer to the world's problems. Get out of the way. Let God be glorified. Glorify his name. Point the redemption, point the glory back to Jesus. Give God the praise and glory. I heard B.H. Clendenin say this one. One time, I've never seen a Bible college survive that had a man's name on it. Listen, don't ever point attention to yourself. Point it all back to Jesus. Amen. The world doesn't need my education, my skills, or really anything about me other than the Jesus in me. Number two, take up the cross. Come on, say take up your cross. All right. Now you just tricked them. I want you to say the rest of it daily. Oh, oh you had me at take up the cross. I mean, I could do that on Sunday mornings. But daily? I mean, you really want me? Listen, when Jesus said take up his cross, number one, recognize it was Jesus who said it. Therefore, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet, right? When we hear those words, take up your cross, what's our mind go to? Jesus and the crucifixion. We go to the work that Jesus did on Calvary. Jesus was saying these words, and he had not yet been crucified. In fact, just right before that, or just right, I think it's right before or right after, Jesus had just prophesied his death, right? But he didn't prophesy the means at which he would die. Jesus never said he was going to be crucified. He said, I'm going to die, they're going to destroy me, and I'm going to raise three days later. But he didn't talk about how he was going to die. But then he goes on to tell the disciples, listen, you got to pick up your cross. And it would be one thing to say, oh, I know what that means, because Jesus was crucified. We all know what that means. But to those people who heard it, it wasn't a 
symbol of the crucifixion and death of Jesus. It was a symbol of Roman oppression. It was a symbol of Roman persecution. It was a symbol of Roman punishment and execution. That is how, in that society, they executed people. Like we had our seasons in America where we hung people, right? That was the method of execution. Then we went on to the electric chair and we electrocuted people. That was a little gruesome. Now we do lethal injection, right? Where we, we put people to sleep and we inject jugs in them and they pass away peacefully in their sleep. That's a method of execution. In that Roman culture, it was a cross, right? If you were a criminal and you were sentenced to death, you got nailed to a cross. And so Jesus, when he said, if you want to come after me, you better be prepared to die, is basically what he said. If you're going to come after me, you better be prepared to lose it all. That's why he goes on in the next verse, and I'm paraphrasing a whole bunch of my sermon right now. But Jesus said, listen, um, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. This is what Jesus is talking about. But whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is just after Jesus said, if you're going to follow after me, you better be willing to lose your life. You better be willing to lay it all down, right? We got a bunch of weak need yellow belly patty cake Christians in America who want to complain that they don't have the latest version of iOS on their phone or that their smartphone's not working or their battery doesn't stay charged long enough and not enough people like their posts. Jesus said, listen, don't get into that mess. If you're going to follow after me, you got to be willing to lay your life for me. But yet we got people running out of church because their boyfriend broke up with them. Bless God. That death of that carnal man, Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live to the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of your mortal, sinful body. You will live. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, the only way for you to live is to die. Come on, say it, mean it. Think about what you're saying. The only way for you to live is to die. It's got to die so you can live. Your dreams, your ambition, your desire, what you want out of life, your future, the plans you made for yourself, what job you're going to have, what career you're going to have, what type of car you're going to have, what kind of house you're going to have, who you're going to marry, that thing's got to die so that Jesus Christ can live. John said, I must decrease so that you might increase. Less of you means more of God. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, it's got to die because there's a greater man on the inside of you that you'll make way for. If you'll put your flesh and your carnal way of living and believing on that cross, for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who saved me and gave his life for me. I'm going to put that thing to death so that God might live through me. Take up that cross every single day. Somebody say every day. You mean I got to pray every day? Yeah, that's what I mean. I just want to be super clear. You mean I got to read my Bible every day? Yes, I mean, you got to read your Bible every day. You mean I got to honor God every day? Yes, you have to honor God every single day. Well, that's just too hard. I'm too busy. Listen, if you're too busy to read your Bible every day, you're too busy to pray every day, son, check your salvation. Listen, if any man desires to be my disciple, he must deny himself. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you want. Listen, I'm not trying to make this thing about works, but I don't know how in the world you think you can live a victorious Christian life as a teenager in America in the year 2022 with HBO, Showtime, and Send to the Max and all sorts of garbage out there and social media and think you're going to live victorious but not open your mouth and pray to God and say, God, this thing is hard. This thing is difficult. Will you help me? Will you help me, God? Will you help my spirit honor you and live for you? So I'm going to read the word. I'm going to open up the blueprints. I'm going to go to the map and seek direction from God because the path is dark. I don't know where to go, so let me get the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. I don't know how you can live a victorious life and not pray and read your word every day. 
Now let me help you practically. Because I know life gets busy. Some I was talking, I don't know who was talking to. I think Tori was the one making fun of me. So I'm gonna call Tori out here a little bit. I think it was Tori making fun of me on the mission trip. She's like, you don't listen to music at all? I'm like, no, I really don't listen to music at all. For real, guys, I have the Bible app. I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd, I get it, okay? I'm not trying to sound super spiritual here, but like I jam out to the New Living Translation in that deep monotone voice, right? It's the Bible app. I just, I set it on a chapter and I hit play and I'm going, I'm like, Rah! no, not really. That's not at all what I'm doing. But literally, sometimes I just get busy. Listen, my mind is powerful. God created it that way. I can sit there and make tea, water the plants. I can, I can, uh, I can sweep the floor for Becca. I can type an email. I can do all that while listening to the word. I can drive down. Listen, I can drive in my car every single day. Listen, sometimes I don't, I just disappear sometimes. I just get in my car, I'm gone, right? I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm somewhere on Green Road or Percival Road, praying in the Holy Ghost, I'm, right? Sometimes you just gotta get away. The Bible says Jesus went away to a private place and prayed, right? You can find time if you're serious about it. If you desire God, you'll, I mean, you find time to, you know, make your social media post every day and keep your streaks alive. Come on, keep the streak alive. Come on, go after Jesus. Say, I'm gonna start a new streak. Forget the streaks with my besties. Forget the streak with my close friend group. I'm gonna start a streak right now that's gonna make the devil mad. I'm gonna start a streak right now that's going to send the demons trembling. I'm going to keep a streak alive. I'm talking to my God every day. I'm going to read his word every single day. That's a streak worth keeping. Let me tell you right now. Daily. Daily. Don't give me that mess that you can't find time to pray every day. I'm not telling you you got to be like two, three hours a day in prayer. But come on, you can find a few minutes a day to pray. He gave you 24 hours of them. I mean, just sleep a little less. And if you're carnally minded, you'll go an entire week. You'll go all summer long if you're carnally minded and not realize you just blew your entire summer binge watching Netflix. You'll go your entire summer not realizing you just slept it away. You fed that flesh. You gave your flesh everything you wanted. Bless God. Get up in the morning. Find your Bible. Download it again. Get you some pens. Get you a notebook. Get you some highlighters. Get in the Word of God and say, God, lead God and direct me. Be the man I'm supposed to be. God, show me how to be the woman of God I'm supposed to be. Pray and talk to the Lord. Amen. You don't go a day without talking to your bestie. If you do, they ain't your bestie. Then he said, follow me. The invitation. Proverbs 21, 21. He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. An invitation means to draw someone away from what they're currently doing. Are you going to let Jesus draw you away from what you're currently doing, young woman? Are you going to let Jesus draw you away from what you're doing, young man? Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert, even to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And an angel of the Lord had appeared unto Moses out of the midst of the bush. The bush was burning, the bush wasn't consumed. And God said unto Moses, 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 Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is burning and not consumed. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, he spoke unto Moses. Listen, God called his name, but it didn't say anything else until Moses turned away from what he was doing. Listen, God's calling somebody's name tonight. He's saying Addison. He's saying Isaac. He's saying Ashton. He's calling your name. Will you turn aside from what you're doing? You're tending your flock. You're minding your own business. You're trying to stay below the radar. I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do that. And God's saying, will you 
answer me? Will you turn aside? And when God saw that he turned aside, God spoke unto him out of the midst of the bush and God gave him a mandate. He gave him a destiny. He gave him something to do. Listen, if you want a mandate from heaven, you want a call from God, you want an anointing that'll part a Red Sea, you want an anointing that'll send fire down from heaven, you want an anointing that'll raise the dead, you want an anointing that'll open your blinded eyes, be willing to answer God when he calls you and turn aside from what you're doing because when God saw that he turned aside, that's when God's going to communicate with you. That's when he's going to resonate with you. Don't think for a moment you're going to hear from God when all you got is that radio on all the time, that music on all the time, those TV shows all the time. Turn aside. Follow me in invitation. John chapter 6, verse 44. No, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He's drawing you tonight. A genuine encounter with Jesus leads us to a place where we have no time to think about what we're losing for the sake of following him. Rather, everything we gain through him. Let me say it again. A genuine encounter with God leads us to a place where we have no time to think about what we're losing for the sake of following him. Rather, everything we're gaining by following him. Those disciples left those boats. They left their net. They left flounder flopping on the beach to follow Jesus. They could have sat there and said, that's my boat. I got that from my daddy. I inherited that from my grandpa. Those nets... You know how much I paid for those nets? That's $1,000 of the fish right there flopping on the beach. But Jesus said, follow. They left it all and they followed him. But oh, what they gained through following him. Oh, what they gained through following him. What, oh, my, well, by the time you get 17 chapters in the book of Acts, they had turned the world upside down. All because they left flounder flopping on the beach. A genuine encounter with Jesus will lead you to a place where you have no time to think about what you're losing for the sake of following him, but rather everything you gain through him. This invitation comes with no other direction, no other instruction other than follow me. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, get out of the land of Ur and go to a land that I'll show you. He didn't say get out of Ur and go to these coordinates and talk to this person. He said, get out of where you're at and go to a place. And on the way, I'll show you where you're going. When he told the children of Israel, come out of Egypt, he goes, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. You don't know where it's at. You don't know how you're getting there. They didn't know nothing about the giants till they got there. They didn't know nothing about it other than there were a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a good land. It was a great place. And they got directions on the way. Come on, some of us won't move for God till God tells us the end destination. I ain't going there. I ain't doing that. I ain't speaking that. Until God, you tell me the end from the beginning. Sometimes you just got to get out of her. Come on, somebody say, get out of there. <laughs> that's it God didn't hand him a map specific locations or directions or even a name for his unknown land just get up and go and I'll show you on the way don't get so wrapped up in the destination you lose the glory in the story you lose the glory in the journey God wants to take you somewhere but the maybe the reason he didn't tell you where you were going because he knew if he told you where you were going you would try to cut corners and get there and skip there and, and beat him there but God wants to take you on a journey there maybe it feels like a detour maybe it feels like a long way off the beaten path but it's because God's trying to do something in you through you to get you prepared right because if God would have just brought those children of Israel out of Egypt and dropped them into a land full of nine foot tall giants they would have destroyed them but God brought them out of Egypt and he took and he had to change their mind mindset of slavery. Get that slavery mindset. Listen, you're not slaves. You are conquerors. You are overcomers. You are the nation of God. You are the people of God. And I'm going to prepare you and I'm going to organize you and I'm going to get you prepared to fight. And then I'm going to send you into the land to shout, to bring down walls and see the giants defeated. God wants to take you somewhere, but on the way, he's going to equip you with everything you need when you get there. 
Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.